for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Steve Jodrand. And I'm Jake Watroba. On today's episode, should MLS come back in two weeks? And is Christian Pulisic America's next superstar? Brandon Busby of the London is Blue Podcast joins us to discuss. Listeners, follow us on Twitter at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. We always enjoy your feedback and comments, so continue to send them in. And don't forget, you can always find the show on any major podcast platform. Now, let's get to today's show. All righty, Stephen Jotter. Yes, sir. We're we're back. Back to back weeks. We did it. Some (laughs) say this would never be done again. Some silence the doubters, silence the haters. We're back, oh, back God. to back consecutive weeks. Uh, did you? Uh, how was your weekend? Good? Uh, terrible. Nail in my tire. That that's always fun. Deal with a flat tire. Burnt my chocolate chip cookies before we're doing this recording to, uh, on this beautiful Sunday evening. I got Minnesota United on the TV against Sporting KC. I'm happy MLS is playing after the disaster news kind of in the last you know Sunday morning where it seemed like cameras are being packed up and COVID, 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 is the league going to shut down? Well, they seem to be uh, moving along. So I don't know. I, my question is how much soccer have you watched this weekend? I've, I've watched my fair share of soccer. I've watched, uh, I watched a little bit of Juventus Atalanta, probably the best game of the weekend. Uh, I watched – I watched uh, about the first 70 minutes of Sheffield United Chelsea. Um, watched a little bit of Red Bulls Atlanta. You know some other some USL. random Premier League games. USL some, I, got yeah, back. I did watch. I did watch USL. I watched uh, Real Monarchs versus uh, San Diego Loyal, uh, and also Louisville City and Pittsburgh. Watched that earlier today. So yeah, we've I've watched my fair share of soccer this week. Soccer doubt. A little bit, actually. <laughs> and then you're, you're I, I, I've watched I've watched so much soccer to the point where I'm like, I'm not even excited that Minnesota United's back because I've watched so much this weekend. Oh man, what what a time to be alive, though! I can't believe we're complaining that there is too much soccer on. I mean, seriously, listeners, are you soccered out? Question of the day: Are you soccered out? I mean, there's been so much soccer the last two weeks. Uh, it's insane. I mean. Tomorrow morning or Monday morning, when you and I get ready for our work week, guess what we can flip on? Major League Soccer. Or if you sleep in to noon, you can flip on the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, well, I, I think we've been lulled into this. We, we've we've gotten used to not having sports on. So now that there's an abundance of sports on, it's like, whoa, whoa, this, there's a, this is a lot all at once here. All right, I need to be, I need to be kind of eased into this, not... My whole day is going to be filled with well, you, you MLS. Some, yeah, well, you watched what's it called? Some uh, US USC. I watched some Formula One Sunday morning. So there, there are sports that's slowly coming back. I even turned on rugby for a, a little bit. The uh, the New Zealand league. 
They had that on ESPN. Uh, I think it was Saturday uh, evening. So why not? Sports. We love it. We love to see it, right? Just love to have sports back. And listeners, on today's episode, as I uh, mentioned, we're going to talk about our reaction to MLS is back tournament. How successful has it been so far? Plus, Brandon Busby of the London's Blue Podcast is going to join us. And we're, we're going to talk about Christian Pulisic. We'll see how he fits into this Chelsea side going forward. And obviously, Chelsea in the transfer market. How is that going to affect Pulisic? And is he on America's next superstar? We'll define our terms what we mean by superstar. Well, we'll, we'll, so stay tuned for that. And Jake, as we just mentioned, soccer, soccer, soccer. All the European leagues are going on, wrapping up. It's fantastic. Love it. We, we're, we're enjoying it. Then you got MLS, USL. NWSL all underway here in America. And since we last recorded, Jake, uh, some pretty big things have happened, at least with Major League Soccer. Yeah, you can even call them controversial things with Major League Soccer. We saw FC Dallas pull out of the MLS's back tournament. So did Nashville. Um, After nine players tested positive uh, for coronavirus, uh, Nashville had arrived in the Orlando area for the tournament on July 3rd uh, with one player testing uh, positive upon arrival and eight others testing positive over the next few days. Chicago wait, Fire. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to pause there for a second. I, this baffles me why Major League Soccer teams did not arrive with, I don't know, they should have arrived in Orlando a whole month earlier or at least three weeks. I mean, if, if they're concerned about fitness and uh, tactics – they should have arrived significantly earlier so they had the two weeks of quarantine to to just isolate any incident of covid because like like with Nash, uh, like with FC Dallas it was testing positive like they got corona before they made it to the bubble and right and what was weird about it Stephen, is i mean you look at the nba they had three dates that these teams in the nba had to be in orlando by it was this July seventh, eighth, and ninth, I think, were the three dates. The meanwhile, I know that. Meanwhile, I know. Well, my Timberwolves are maybe joining the Chicago bubble of the teams that <laughs> that aren't, suck. Aren't they were relegated out of the Orlando bubble, so they had to go to the yeah, Chicago what a, bubble. What a what a what an interesting concept for the NBA. Maybe they'll continue <laughs> the the worst eight teams. They split the season, go into some sort of uh, relegation promotion battle where they can get relegated to uh, the the good teams in the NBA. The, the the point I'm trying to make is here is before we go on a tangent of pro rel for the for <laughs> NBA uh, hashtag Ben Ben is it Ben Fast is that his name um, <laughs> or at Ben Fast hashtag at, uh, at Ben Fast pro rel yeah. for NBA for NBA um, the point I'm trying to make is MLS allowed its teams to show up whenever they wanted basically S- stupid stupid it's dumb sorry. That that was a terrible decision. Poorly organized. Poorly yeah, organized. I, I don't know part. what the the thought process was. It was it, it. I don't know. Maybe they thought, well, you know, let's give these players an opportunity to be with their families and have more time to to feel comfortable and feel safe. Well, I don't know. I think it kind of caused uh, a, a problem rather than you know solving the the problem. It caused one. So yeah. Then uh, then Chicago Fire moved from Group A on July 9th. It's a little bit uh, unfair. I don't know if it's necessarily fair, Stephen, but I mean it had to be done. You had two teams that to, to drop out. Um, I, this made the most sense, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, beggars can't be choosers. It's an it's co- like it's COVID, right? Things are whack. This is a bubble idea. 
right? It, it's already strange, strange enough as it is that at this point, who cares? Right? Yeah, yeah. It makes the groups even now. You have six groups of four rather than five groups of four right. and, and one group and, of six. We were complaining originally. Why would you have one group of six teams and five groups of four? It made no sense, right? They did what they could. Now it evened out, so I guess in the long run it worked out. But the the wave of like news for MLS hasn't been good because Saturday night it continued. Yeah, I, we we then saw Red Bulls Atlanta uh, the the start time for that match be delayed due to uh, inclement weather, which pushed back Columbus FC Cincinnati even later. Which, if you stayed up and watched FC Cincinnati Columbus, hey, kudos to you for doing that. I don't know why you brought yourself. Hey, it was that unless I, you were probably one of the better games. Uh, if you were, so if far. you're a crew fan, yeah. <laughs> hey, Jossie Zardes got a 69th career goal, I believe. That's nice. That's nice. Yes, as somebody would say <laughs> once on this show, that's nice. <laughs> and then, well, Stephen, and then. More troubled waters lied ahead for MLS, though, as we fast forward to this morning. We're recording this Sunday night as Toronto FC and DC United's match was postponed due to what later was confirmed to be two false positive tests amongst the two teams. Oh, man. At that point, I felt skeptical that uh, the tournament would continue on. I really did. I thought uh, the news hasn't been good. You had two teams pulled out last week. Um, Games being shifted around. You have terrible weather. Uh, The heat is horrendous. Now you have two teams who one showed up to the stadium. The other one stayed back. You have COVID tests that isn't making all that much sense. And, yeah, I, I genuinely didn't think that you and I would be watching Sporting KC play Minnesota United Sunday night. I, re- I thought that game would be postponed, and MLS would say, "You know what? Let's 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 kick let's take a five day break and resume next week with the normal schedule and kind of figure out things with COVID." Stephen, I did too. I did not think this match between SKC Minnesota would take place, um, just given the, the positive test with uh, in the SKC side. You had what was believed earlier this morning. You had two tests positive. Uh, for DC United and Toronto FC, I thought it was going to be this uproar, which there was. Cancel this tournament. This is ridiculous. MLS has no clue what it's doing. And I think that kind of just highlights where we are as a society where everything is just taken to the most extreme. And we later find out that both of these players tested uh, negative. It was a false positive. And I don't know, man. I'm I, After seeing that, it uh, – it, Rub me the wrong way when I saw people t- talk about how crappy MLS is for doing this tournament. I mean, if you're going to call them out for having these positive tests, well, then maybe you should also, you know, applaud them for doing the taking the due process there and making sure that these people aren't, or these players rather, aren't testing positive. It, to me, it almost feels like there's a lot of people within U.S. Soccer Twitter that are almost rooting. For players to get infected with corona, I feel like they're rooting for players to get coronavirus because they want to stroke their ego or ego to say, "See, I was right. This tournament shouldn't have happened." You have all these players, yeah, testing positive, that's, that's, and yeah. it, and it gets it gets old after the 14th day of seeing it. I'm just sorry, or however many days we are 
into players being down in Orlando. It gets it gets old. So so we're going to get to our reaction to the broadcast, what we think of, of the quality of play. But let me ask you this, Jake. Listeners, chime in at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Did MLS do the right thing and postpone the match? Yes, we all agree that. But is MLS doing the right thing where they're postponing the matches that are have question marks regarding COVID and the matches that are don't have question marks, they continue on? I think they are. I think they're doing I think every I think <laughs> look. The situation here in Orlando, it's less than ideal, obviously. But if you have teams that aren't testing positive, yeah, they should play. Why 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 should that be of any concern? Why should it be of any concern to New York Red Bulls Atlanta that FC Dallas had positive tests or Nashville had positive tests? Why should that be any concern to them? They're not in the same club. They're not interacting with those players. They're all, everyone's being separated, so I'm told. So, no, I, I, I don't think the show should go on, I think. I mean, it, the, this is what the, the experts recommended for sports to return, get in a bubble. So what are we doing here now? Now, I mean, this is what the experts want. And now suddenly, well, this isn't good enough. What is it? Pick, I mean, this, I don't want to get in a soapbox here and take this. What we do, Stephen, Uncle Sam's soccer podcast, we operate inside the toy department, AKA sports. And I don't want to take this out of the toy department, so to say. Yeah. But all I'm saying is this is what, this was what the experts recommended. MLS, NBA, have now done that, and now there's a backlash. Well, the, you, so so this is going to be really interesting to see is what's going to happen to the NBA, right? Are there going to be COVID cases? And if there are COVID cases, are people going to demand that league shut down like they are demanding with MLS? Let's see if it, it's consistent enough. And I also am curious to know is how much how much press do you think MLS has really gotten regarding the players testing positive for COVID? Obviously, they kicked the two teams out. That kind of like, well, you know, most people in sports were like, okay, well, they're done. Okay, they're gone. Resume play. Predictively, that's what the conversation has been. I don't know in the larger scheme of things, people who don't care for sports or who want to criticize for sports for coming back during COVID in the backdrop that Florida shatters largest single-day record of coronavirus infections on Sunday. I mean, there's a lot of criticism, but as you said, the show goes on. So far, I, I don't know. Are players complaining? Have you seen any player complaints? Earlier there was, but... We, I, I'm not too sure. I think a lot of them are pretty happy to be playing and, you know, getting back to their day jobs. It, it must be a welcome I guess relief for some of these players. I would agree, unless you believe what you read on the MLS Insider inside the bubble Twitter account, whatever that Twitter page is called, unless you believe that account, um, which I'm not so sure the information in that account t- is pushing out there uh, on Twitter is very accurate to begin with. Yeah, I would say that uh, there's probably, I mean, like like I said, the situation isn't ideal, but I think the players are probably happy to some extent to kind of get back into the swing of things, into doing something, a profession that they, you know, have strived or, you know, worked their whole lives for. I think that they're happy to get back out on the field and kind of re- resume this sense of a little bit of normalcy in their life amongst this pandemic. Absolutely. Now, uh, game games wise, broadcast. What are you thinking? Good, bad? Do you like the the logos? Do you like the Adidas logo at midfield? The uh, the Adidas logo is very down. Uh, uh, is is it's far down on the list of complaints I have about this tournament. I'll I'll just say that. 
Uh, so the Adidas logo doesn't doesn't bother me. I can't – I, for the life of me, can't watch soccer when there's no crowd noise. It drives me up a wall. I don't care to hear players yell at each other. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't It doesn't give me a glimpse like, oh, look at this tactically. He's, so-and-so is yelling at so-and-so. Oh, man, it's so cool. Like, no, that not not for me. I, I need a little bit of fake pumped, pumped in crowd noise. I don't need anything crazy like the Bundesliga I mean, was, is doing. It was night and or day. day rather. It was night and day when Fox broadcasted the fake crowd noise with Atlanta Red Bulls versus uh, Montreal Revs on uh, Thursday night. Night and day. Like, it, it felt, for some reason, maybe maybe the game was, right? And I just don't remember. I'd have to watch side-by-side the Revs game and the Atlanta Red Bulls, Revs, and uh, Montreal game side-by-side to determine if the quality of play was faster. But it felt faster in the Red Bulls-Atlanta game, and I don't know if it just was a placebo effect with the crowd noise. But it felt faster. Well, it those felt those more are, genuine. I mean, those two teams are also two of the better teams yeah, in the Eastern Conference and in the West. I, 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 will, I mean, but I will argue the Revs are a dark horse in this tournament. Bruce Arena, one of the most successful coaches in MLS. Bo uh, Gustavo Bo, one of the most underrated DP signings in the last couple of years. He has the fourth most goals since coming into league behind Ibrahimovic, Vela, and uh, Joseph Martinez. He is a goal scoring machine. He could take the Revs on their uh, uh, on the back on his back to the final or a deep run in semifinals. Just remember, this is tournament football. Bruce Arena is familiar with MLS Cup playoffs. He, it, it, this is not a marathon, guys. The, the, MLS's back is not a marathon. It's a sprint. And some teams are going to take the sprint more seriously than the others. But the broadcast... Survive in advance, right? Yeah, survive in advance. Really, it really is. And the broadcast of the game with the crowd noise was better. I liked it. And I think you agree, too. Now let me ask you this, Jake. Uh, I, I didn't want to. Uh, sorry for stepping all over you, but what do you, what do you make of the weather? Do it, is Orlando was Orlando really a good choice? Like obviously, this is why they're playing games at nine a.m. and eight or nine a.m. Central and uh, seven o'clock uh, Central Time p.m. So they're trying to avoid the the heat of the day by playing the games early morning or late at night. Look, Stephen, I think the weather is definitely having an impact on these games. I mean, in Orlando, it's upper 80s, lower 90s, 60, 70% humidity. I mean, look, it's definitely not as hot as it could be if you were playing, you know, I guess we'll compare it to the NWSL playing in, you know, Salt Lake City where it's in the mid 90s. Uh, but the thing is, with, with that is there's, there's virtually no humidity. And, you know, as somebody who lives in the upper Midwest and who also lived in Dallas, Texas, Humidity when it and gets Houston. when that humidity gets above and Houston when that humidity gets above sixty percent, it's it's, it's you you sweat you're sweating as soon as you walk out you feel wet as soon as you walk outside, yep. and I think that on top of the players being being off for three four months I think that is is having a, a negative impact on the play in Orlando so I think we should hold off a little bit on our judgment of these players, of these teams, of this tournament for maybe another week or two before we, you know, start to really assess things, assess the play and, and these teams. Because like I said, three to four months off, you have this weather kind of is crap for playing soccer. I mean, let's, let's remember they play soccer in the winter over in Europe. They don't do it at this time of the year. There's a reason why it's not ideal. So I think we should hold off on our judgment 
and kind of wait and see here the next couple of weeks. But coming up next, we have Brandon Busby of the London is Blue podcast to talk all things Chelsea and Christian Pulisic. Joining us now is the host of the London is Blue podcast. It is Brandon Busby. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at BBBusby. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Context would help. Uh, Chelsea got pummeled yesterday, uh, but then Leicester got pummeled today. So if Cass comes through and somehow Southampton come through, it could be a hell of a weekend. Uh, listeners, as we teased at the talk, we're going to talk about Christian Pulisic and how he fits in the Chelsea and whether or not he's the next superstar. But Brandon, I have to say, Christian Pulisic has been electric. He has caught uh, fire. People in just large t- uh, context sports media are talking about Christian Pulisic. Just give us your thoughts on what this young player has, ha- how he has performed the last couple of weeks, especially since the restart. Absolutely. He is uh, fulfilling all of the potential, the price tag, the American hype that we sent with him from Dortmund to Chelsea eight, you know, a, a little over a year ago when we signed him uh, in January. And it's really been great to see kind of this season will go down no matter what as a success for him. And I think that was really important. Um, from our perspective as Americans that are also Chelsea fans, we wanted to see him come in um, and have a good season to kind of set a foundation good enough that if the season ticket holders, the locals there could accept an American as a key player for the team because of what he did on the pitch and not, you know, the whole marketing argument, which was silly. Uh, it would be a success. And I think that's where we're at, like with with his overall production, knowing that he's had injuries uh, he didn't start for a couple months. Uh, this has been oh, a wild success for Christian. Yeah, and Brendan, you mentioned that uh, he hasn't he didn't start for a few months at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. But you look at his numbers and compare him to his first two seasons with Dortmund. Mm-hmm. He's got eight goals this year for Chelsea. That's twice as many as he had in 2017, 2018 with Dortmund. He had four goals then, and then he had four goals the following season as well. So I guess the question I have for you is, what changed uh, for, for Christian Pulisic? Because it really seems like I watch him now versus when I watched him in, in the fall. Completely different player. Right, yeah. Um, I think the, you know, he's not the only one, but A, he's healthy. I think he's adjusted to the Premier League. He understands what this league is about and the style it's played because it's very different than the Bundesliga. Right. Uh, I think that he's also benefited from a really good Ross Barkley for the last few matches, a really good William for the last few matches. Um, and I think, at least in the restart, that's where he's been able to come back so fit, so sharp, so ready. Uh, and that's just a testament down to him working out. I can't remember if it's the Chelsea Reddit or somewhere, but someone who lives right around Hershey where he 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 was home during this this shutdown of the oh, Premier he League. Was. Yeah, he came back to to the States. He got permission. And they said he would train every single day for three hours. And it's showing. And it's just a it's a it's a 
It's a signal to him and his work ethic and his desire to succeed at every level he's at, whether it's the men's national team being the captain as a child uh, or going from Dortmund to Chelsea, commercially one of the biggest teams in the world. So you have a lot of pressure and eyes like that. Um, the kid is put in the work. He's healthy. And now we're starting to see what a healthy, settled Christian Pulisic can do uh, in the Premier League for Chelsea. And this should be no surprise to all of your listeners. He's direct. He doesn't waste touches or runs going away from goal. And he can get a shot off in an instant that catches defenders off guard. You said you said something interesting there. You talked about the benefits of having a healthy Ross Barkley and obviously William. I wonder if Greg Berhalter is taking notice in how Christian Pulisic is performing at Chelsea. And this is a big question I have with the U.S. men's national team is, what is Greg Berhalter going to have for Christian Pulisic and the cast characters that he's going to put around the star player here? Is he going to put Christian Pulisic in his best position, or is he going to utilize Christian Pulisic and what he thinks is best for Greg Berhalter's system? And that will be a fascinating uh, conversation as as Christian Pulisic uh, grows. And but but Brandon, the, the, what I wonder is, is this a you know a, a lightning strike in the bottle? Is Frank Lampard being won over by Christian Pulisic? Is is Pulisic's job security safe in light of the transfer rumors that Chelsea want to go out there and splurge? Yeah. So, look, if you're not familiar, our podcast, um, we we have done a really good job of making friends across the pond and making <laughs> friends with people around the club. And so, what we've been told um, is that. Christian has really impressed, even from day one, Frank Lampard, uh, with his – I mean the kid is laser focused on football. So when Chelsea signed him, they we were talking to the marketing department because obviously we're like, when can we interview him? Still waiting. Um, <laughs> they were like, yeah, we've got this huge marketing plan ready. Nothing happened. So we went over to London in late September last year. And we got to go to the training ground and we interviewed, you know, some other players and we're asking our, the Chelsea employee about Christian. I'm like, you know, what happened to all this stuff? And they're like, he won't. He refuses to do anything. If it's not training, rehab, film, getting better, he told us he refuses to do anything until he's an established player. And we, and like the three of us just looked at each other and we're like, that's my man. Like, all right, like, let's go. He's, he's, he, that's all he wanted to do. He didn't want to do the campaigns. He didn't want to do the marketing. Uh, obviously he did the the basics, but you know, they wanted to splash him everywhere and he wasn't having any of it. And so I think that, you know, he, he created a really good relationship with Frank early on. You know, he expressed to, to Christian that you need to be patient. Like, trust me, we're going to play the long run here. And I know a lot of people compared it to Fabinho and Klopp. You know, Fabinho didn't play for three months and then, you know, now is a, is a massive player for their team. Um, so, it, you know, in that sense, I think that, you know, Frank has a lot of trust and really likes what Christian has to bring. And when Chelsea are going out and signing uh, the Ajax player of the season for two or three years running and Hakim Ziyech, uh, who's one of the most productive, creative players in Europe in the last five years. And then they go and sign Timo Werner, who's a striker but can play out wide a little bit. You know, all of a sudden you're like, uh-oh, what's going to happen to him? But you have to remember, Pedro and William are going. That opens up spots for everyone. Callum Hudson-Odoi hasn't kicked on like we thought after he signed his mega contract. Um, he's barely featured this season. And, and, and that was like the big concern was him and Christian going head to head. So 
like Christian has firmly planted himself uh, at the at the top of Chelsea's was, pecking order and wide credit wide attacking players. I think no matter who we sign, what was this a development that has been solidified the last few weeks with with his just ability to score important goals for Chelsea as they're, they're pushing for the Champions League, or do you think this is has been obviously as you mentioned a long run under Frank Lampard, but has this been in Frank Lampard's mind and he regardless of how Christian Christian Pulisic has performed here in the last couple of weeks. That it, it, it was already, you know, he already solidified his, I guess, place in the starting eleven, at least making match day squads if, if he's hurt or coming off the bench mm-hmm. in the long run. Well, I think this is just validation to Frank, and that's the way it is with any player. If you come on, you know, and fulfill the potential you have with the end product, Tammy Abraham did it for three and a half months this season. Not anymore, you know, and so you have to ask questions. But right now, Christian is scoring, creating assists through penalties, um, getting his own assists, and he's just fulfilling what the coach sees in him. And I, and that's all you can do is add the end product. So, um, you know, it's probably a little bit of all of that, you know. And, and look, will he maintain scoring, you know, every three out of four matches week in, week out next season? No. Um, but he's settling in and he's comfortable competing at this level. We've already seen – I've already seen teams. It took them two weeks of Christian being, you know, magnificent on the ball to start hacking him down. All right, he's already getting the Eden yep. Hazard treatment of you know hack a shack out there, and and that's because teams don't want him running at them with the ball. Scary. So, uh, Brandon, I want to ask you this because with Pulisic's uh, form as of late, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter commenting about it people who don't even follow soccer who are commenting about it and it got me thinking and it got steven thinking as well uh we were we were kind of discussing amongst each other about uh you know is is he gonna go to like barcelona or real madrid later in his career mm-hmm. like is that, is that the next step for him but then it also spurned another idea or another thought in our heads here of is he america's next big superstar and what we mean by that is is he going to, when people you know Outside of the U.S., when they think of U.S. sports, I mean, right now it's like it's LeBron James, it's Tom Brady, it was Michael Jordan at one point in time. Mm-hmm. It's guys like that. But mm-hmm. a star that we thought was comparable because you can argue how you can say soccer's niche in this country. Well, the connection we made was Lance Armstrong. And granted, Lance Armstrong, he, he doped and all that stuff, yada, yada. We, we understand that. But Lance Every, Armstrong. Everybody knows who Lance Armstrong is. Mm-hmm. Mega star especially in this country. I mean, he's a cyclist who cares about cycling in this country. I, we'd like to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that this is, this is potential for, for Christian to be held in that regard as a Lance Armstrong, if he were to become the face of a club like Chelsea or would even go on to play for an even bigger club like uh, Barcelona or Bayern Munich or whomever? I, look, I think he has all the potential in the world. So two reasons why that might not happen. One, He's a team sport player. Lance was an individual sport, Tiger, individual mm-hmm. sport athlete. Mm-hmm. So their success was predicated upon themselves. Christian is at the mercy of Chelsea, <laughs> right or wrong. Um, but if he were to be by far and away one of our best players and Chelsea are in the Champions League, I think he has that opportunity to be the, the shining light of of all Americans to say, look, 
we're beat. We have a player who's one of the best in your league. Look at that. Ha. We, we knew we could do it. We just didn't know how. <laughs> so I think that's one of the, the flip side, the, the two sides of that, that coin flip. Um, the other one is it kind of, it's up to him. If I'm being honest, I don't think he wants to be. Michael Jordan was a lot more open to marketing campaigns. LeBron marketing campaigns, you know, uh, Lance Armstrong, he soaked it up and, you know, live strong. I mean, holy, you know, we all had the yellow, you know, bracelet. Um, Christian's not into that. Like he doesn't care about money and marketing partnerships. He just wants to succeed on the field. So I think that the way it happens is not through marketing and media campaigns, but again, just from him genuinely being one of the best players in Europe, in England, in the most competitive league in the world. And it's just an automatic argument done. And then obviously, hopefully the U.S. men's national team will get its act together and, you know, he can have a, a, a stage at the world level. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is interesting that that, you know, how Christian Pulisic, he's he's clearly very young, that he's not very for for better or worse. He's not very image con- conscious. He's, he's just mm-hmm. focused on his game, which is fantastic. That is. That is every sports person's dream right there is to, to look up to an athlete who doesn't care about the fame, doesn't care about the money, who's going to represent the, the local team, the local fans, uh, you know, on, on the pitch and be a representation of whatever team it is, right? But I will say that as, as players grow older, they become a little more business-oriented and suddenly the business, the marketing does matter. Tom Brady, for a large part of his career, didn't care about his image. It wasn't until the last six years where he's eating his avocado ice cream and selling $90 nuts for, and, and you know concussion water that his image started, suddenly mattered. So, yeah, you're right. Now it's great. That's everyone's dream. And I think, I think Christian Pulisic is starting to, to make headway because in some sense he's like the first American, right, to break the ice for some reason. And Clint Dempsey had a very successful run in the Premier League. Tim Howard had a very successful run, but they don't have the same. Their names just didn't carry the same weight that Christian Pulisic does now at Chelsea. Yeah, for sure. And again, I my the my only way I predict this happening, and it can, is if he is just undisputed one of the best soccer players in the world, and then the media will put him on that pedestal and make him that icon. Yeah. Um, He's not going to go out and, you know, play like, you know, do a, a Neymar strategy where, you know, he's he's well, actually, Christian would love to play Fortnite with Ninja. Uh, from what I'm told, he plays Fortnite just <laughs> I see, all the I time. see the likes. I see the likes on, uh, on, on Instagram with uh, like in Ninja or other yeah. Fortnite players uh, post. I see that. You're right. I, I, I agree with that. take. Yeah. So I guess man, that's a bad example. But, you know, he, he <laughs> does, he's not going to do all those collabs and partnerships and things like that. It'll be the media and the U.S. men's national team community, AO, everyone like yourselves, just exclaiming to the world that he is an absolute superstar. And then the media will pick it up, you know, and he'll essentially, you know, be amongst those, the top echelon of players. And it's great to see those mainstream players, um, all of these NBA players, these NFL players are really starting to um, pick soccer teams. And it's an easy, it's, you know, it's an easy way to just follow Christian wherever he goes. And right now it's Chelsea. Um, And so it's been, you know, that will only prop him up 
because all these other professional athletes are going to be pointing at him as well. LeBron James did have a Christian Pulisic jersey mm -hmm. U.S. men's national team on an Instagram post, I would say, yeah. a year, year and a half back. So, I mean, he's making noise within the, I guess, the sports community. It might not be as public as, as some people might imagine, but I, I think the American athlete at the top knows who Christian Pulisic is, and I think a lot of them look at him and go like, damn, I wish I had his stage. Because if Christian Pulisic breaks into the mold of, of a Messi, Ronaldo, no American athlete will be able to compare to him. Because not only does he hold the American audience at hostage because they're going to follow him and see every moment he does, he's going to have the world's attention, whether mm -hmm. it is players in Asia or fans in Asia, uh, Africa or, or, or in, in Latin America or wherever. People are going to tune in because he plays for the biggest club, just like Neymar or Messi or Ronaldo, despite that they're Portuguese, Argentinian or Brazilian. Everybody knows who they are. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And and again, he's such a likable person. Uh, he's such a hometown hero. You know, he is the guy that you can support because he's so humble, down to earth, considers himself to be the most average person in the world, even though he has some of the most exceptional skills in this sport, you know, that, that we all love. So, yeah, he uh, he's very easy to like as well. He's not a villain. He's not cocky. Um, if anything, we're we're mad at him because he doesn't give us more access. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and then Brandon, one one last question here before we let you go. Uh, not Christian Pulisic related. Uh, since you and I are the are the uh, Chelsea fans here on the show currently, uh, question for you: mm -hmm. Will they qualify for the Champions League next year? I know there, there's a, you mentioned obviously with the Leicester loss today. We're hoping for a Man United loss tomorrow. Things are getting kind of tight. They're, uh, you know, at the top of the table. Will they qualify for Europe next year? Obviously, my heart is is yelling yes. Um, you know, I've worked out all the different scenarios that it can happen. And it can. If we win out, um, it'll happen. But I know that Liverpool would love to throw a wrench in that after Slippy G a few years ago and their run to the title. Um, <laughs> and then we obviously have to play, you know, uh, Wolves the last match of the season. So... Um, I think it's it's closer to probably a 50-50 chance. The biggest thing, um, the biggest factor going into this is going to be that cast ruling, which we think will be coming out Monday. So uh, obviously if that rules in favor of the world uh, and Manchester <laughs> City have some ban at least one season, um, then, then I feel really good about making top four. If it doesn't, and now there's three teams vying for two places – um, I'm a lot closer to 50-50. So. Don't, don't forget, Leicester play United final day, mm -hmm. or match, the final match day. And that, again, yeah. Depending on the ruling, uh, Leicester City, who have fallen off a cliff, could also, you know, that could definitely come into play. Uh, you could have, I guess, Chelsea and Man United leapfrog uh, Leicester City, which at the beginning of, of play here in the, I guess, the restart, people thought, nah, Leicester City's pretty safe there. They play, you know, they, they could lose the games against the big boys, quote-unquote big boys, but if they take care of business, they'll be fine. And look in the situ look what situation they're in now. So, yeah, it'll be fascinating. I think, uh, as you mentioned, by the time this podcast releases, uh, I'm assuming the news regarding City supposedly will come out. And as you mentioned, the world is all ruling, ruling for <laughs> the, the same conclusion. Ban them for one season, please. Enough yeah. Of, enough of Manchester City. 
So that's what the people need to hear. Yes. They need to hear that we got a fighting chance, as I say that with a Russian billionaire owner who is apparently <laughs> ready to splash all the cash right now. So yeah, why not? Anyway, uh, Brandon, we appreciate your time. Tell the listeners where we can find your fantastic podcast and where we can follow you on Twitter. Uh, absolutely. So the podcast is London is Blue. Um, on social media, our handle is London Blue Pod. Um, but yeah, if you just search London is Blue, um, you'll find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen. Um, and we'd love to to chat Christian Pulisic with you guys on on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, whatever you want to do. And then, you know, my links personally are there too, but don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, Brandon. Take care. Yeah, absolutely. Loved it. Wow. Big, big thank you for Brandon for joining us, talking some Christian Pulisic, Chelsea, U.S. Men's National Team, although we really talk much U.S. Men's National Team. But Jake, final thoughts for the show. Um, I, we really didn't talk much about MLS's back. And I think, as you alluded to at the end there, just before we talked to Brandon, it's just more so like, what is there to recap? At the moment, things are going, uh, are, are a bit strange. We're, obviously, coronavirus is still very much prevalent and out there. It's having an impact on society at large. And these players haven't played for for months. It's heavy legged, so it, yeah, you, I could say like the Ravs could be a dark horse team, but this tournament, you know, past the group stage doesn't have any impact on the regular season. So a team's going to win this tur- uh, tournament. They're going to get in the Champions League, but we really can't respond. We can respond to the gameplay, but I, I just think it's unfair. Yeah, yeah, Stephen. I mean, this whole. This whole and the other weird thing too. I mean, speaking about being unfair, it's like for these the few teams that don't qualify to the knockout stages, they just go back home and then they they wait for games to resume in a couple of weeks. And and do we have a definitive answer on what that's going to look like and how that's going to come back? We have no. We don't even know the schedule. We don't know if they're going to allow players or teams to play games in their home markets or if there's going to be more hub cities or how that whole thing is going to look. I mean, everything is pretty murky with this league after this tournament's over. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. is there, will there even be a season after this tournament's well, but, over? But, but here's the thing is you have to ask yourself this too. If you're going to tactically break down some of these games, fine, break them on a game to game basis, but you can't, you can't sit there and go say like, well, this is going to be the style. The Ravs are going to play for the regular season. Why? Because this is a tournament. You're playing to get out of the group stage. Yeah, it's it's surviving. Right. Advance. It's surviving advance. You win the first game of your uh, of the group stage play, and you're statistically very likely to move on. Especially when when you have a chance of the third, the you know four of the th- four of the best third place teams survive. So you can win one game and lose the other two, and just have enough to squeak by into to the knockout stage. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Listeners, give us your thoughts on MLS back. Question of the day, are you soccered out? Jake said yes. I'm somewhat a little bit soccered out, but I don't mind it. I am not complaining. I'm happy. And uh, Christian Pulisic, I, I, I do think he, he can be the superstar that uh, everyone says he is. I know Brandon thought other, well, just a little bit otherwise regarding his image. And I think um, Christian Pulisic will eventually change as he gets older, as he starts to see the dollar signs and business opportunities left and right because – there's no athlete as they grow into the career with the status that Christian Pulisic could potentially have does not sit there and says, well, I can make a billion dollars doing this. 
yeah, I think eventually Christian Pulisic will, you know, will understand his brand and understand uh, the things he can do to monetize his image more than he is right now. And I, I think that'll happen eventually. I don't think Christian Pulisic is from a personality wise. I don't know if he's all that interesting. He's not, he's not like a Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid's interesting, right? If we're going to, if we're going to talk about personalities, that guy's out there. I mean, look, he went to Orlando in a hazmat suit for, for crying out loud. I don't like, I, I don't see Christian Pulisic doing stuff like that. Like, but I, I think yeah, eventually he's also 21 years old. That's well, Joel Embiid's not that much older. Well, yeah, but, but I think but, eventually, yeah, sure, I think eventually what, we'll, we might see Christian Pulisic in more Gatorade commercials or more Nike commercials and, just and stuff like 25. that. Like he's 21. The, the world is still new to this guy. So, uh, yeah, I, ultimately it, it's just a waiting game and, and we'll see. I mean, Quite frankly, I, he can make half a billion dollars. But if he doesn't succeed with the U.S. men's national team and succeed at at, at the club level, it, I'm not that interested. <laughs> we're, we're sports people here. We care about uh, wins and losses. And, and with that, listeners, follow us at Pod. Go listen to the London is Blue podcast. They definitely talk a lot about Christian Pulisic. And you'll definitely get a lot better insight regarding his form at Chelsea than you would hear on the show, especially with USL, NWSL, and MLS all in action. Follow myself at Stephen Jotter and give a big uh, shout-out to at Jake Watrova for uh, having to uh, to stick through uh, Minnesota sports. I had a deep conversation with Jake not too long ago about uh, the heartbreak Minnesota sports has given him. So it's fascinating. Anyway, listeners, until next time.